Are you ever curious what's going on behind the scenes in Hollywood? You watch a Netflix show or a Marvel movie and you wonder, why was that person in it? Why did this movie get made? I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, on the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, we're going to bring you short, digestible episodes featuring some of the smartest people I know breaking down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Follow The Town now and listen on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's The Answer. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined as always by Sirit Sohi. What's up, Sirit? How's it going, Chris? It's been better. So every year when I fill out my NCAA brackets, my method is to always pick Kentucky and every five years or so I'm right and so on the long tail of my investments I feel like every once in a while like every five years I do really well but Kentucky lost in the first round yesterday so not a great start for my bracket are you into the tournament I forgot to make a bracket this year I did catch some of the games yesterday though and where are you at with like the level of playing college basketball I honestly I way prefer the women's tournament to yeah yeah, I feel like I take in enough men's basketball all the time. And it's just like, you know, the the energy to me is just a little bit better. Yeah. I just find it to be a little bit more exciting. But, you know, it's fun, though. It, it's like, it's always interesting. I was like, I watched the game yesterday drinking a few green beers. Okay. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be one, but you, you know how it goes. <laughs> sure. It's always like fun to watch everybody melt. Yes. Because like everyone's bracket breaks at the exact same time because everybody has kentucky at least advancing past 15 seed yeah yeah and i think there were a couple other upsets too so being able to see that as an observer this time was actually a little bit i didn't like it i didn't like it okay yeah i I regret not making a bracket i you know the ups and downs of it are, are fun yeah i mean there's nothing like getting like that first round and like maybe only having one or two wrong and feeling like man i'm really rolling i could i could win 16 grand and start my life over again you know yeah I had a friend who uh, bet on Butler to win the year that Gordon Hayward missed that. 
Oh my half God, court. really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough one for him. Do you look much when you're watching the the tournament? Are you do you ever looking for prospects or doing any like tape crunching? Like, are you like, ooh, what's Chet doing out there? Or are you you save that for the when the draft comes around? Not really. I feel like the way that I watch college basketball, you gotta like you gotta watch with a scout's eye. Yeah. In some ways too, like there's certain players that just look really good in college. Let me assure you, as someone who likes to like go to bars and be like. Pfft, really loving Jabari right now. You don't have to watch with the scout's eye. You just have to say it with enough confidence that you really like That's Jabari. true. <laughs> it's like podcasting. Exactly. Well, this is my problem. This is like what I struggle with with this job too is like I think that I have to be right and like you're never right. So it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> it's just experience some bullshit. So let's experience some bullshit here. Let's do it. <laughs> so what we were going to talk about today was the fact that we've got this two-person MVP race coming down to the wire between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. It's been a year where we've seen some absolutely startling dominant center performances from these guys who are kind of redefining the position anyway. But as we approach the postseason, uh, as is almost an annual tradition over the last, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, 11 years, we start talking about small ball. We start talking about lineups becoming more fluid and guys just shooting all over the court and perimeter defense and how can this coach find this mismatch and hunt this defender. And, you know, the center position and the traditional work that the center does throughout the regular season kind of starts to lose value right around this time of the year. And Sira and I wanted to talk about whether or not that's going to happen this year, especially when the two quote unquote best players, although you can make an argument about who the best player in the league is right now. But the two, the guys having the two of the best seasons going in are centers. So let's start generally, sir. Do you find that Jokic and Embiid are such outliers at the center position that it's not really like a binary of are you going to go through a center or are we going to see small ball in the playoffs? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I think that you know, and the fact that they're both in different conferences kind of makes it so that you do have to worry about it. But the other thing is that. You have different types of big men who you still have to account for, even if they don't necessarily play the style that Embiid and Jokic play. Like, mm-hmm. You still have to worry about Giannis. You're going to have to start worrying about Jaron Jackson and just that Memphis front court in general. I feel like Boston is kind of Memphis East in a way where they have, they've started playing Time Lord and, and Horford together at the five, and that's really working out for them. Like They're playing, they're playing two actual big men um starting them and that's just something that i don't think we ever really thought would happen we have two really good teams that are doing that and then you know like you go down the line then there's like guys like bam Adebayo, deandre mm-hmm. ayton and it just kind of paints this picture if you look at both conferences right now everybody is big are the teams that can win championships uh yeah. everybody is big pretty much other than the warriors and the nets and they are small in like a scintillating way. So I think it's just gonna be really fun. Yeah. But even the Nets, though, they wanted Drummond in the Simmons trade and they've played him. You know, he, he's gotten minutes and it looks like they've been relying on him. And they certainly relied on him in that in that Sixers clash last week that we talked about in depth. And I also found it interesting. The Sixers obviously went out and got DeAndre Ayton to back up and beat and like want to have maybe his locker room presence or his vibe merchant presence, but also another big body so that when Embiid comes out, and this has always been a Sixers talking point since Doc's gotten there, is maybe when Embiid's not on the floor, you shouldn't just try and put in a version of Embiid that's 112 times worse, but you should be a little bit more creative and try playing Tobias at the five or whoever at the five to kind of create this, you know, a, just a different look, a plan B for the team. 
but yeah, it's kind of fascinating. No matter like what we're about to see in the postseason, I don't think any of the big teams in the league want to go into the playoffs thin up front. Not at all. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a clash of styles, pretty much no matter what. Uh, should we start with the Nets? Sure, let's talk about the Nets. Yeah. So the Nets to me is like it's kind of the same story as last year in a way. And just in general, I feel like I, I was I was pretty much guns blazing like two weeks ago, just saying like, why are we just ignoring the fact that the whole league is big right now? And then, you know, you have the Nets, Nets beat the Sixers, uh, Warriors beat the Bucks, and you've got two teams that essentially like the Warriors have now with when they have Curry, Clay and, and Poole on the floor together. Mm-hmm. Which won't happen again until the end of the season at the earliest, right? Yeah. That's been the problem for them this season, right? Like, they just haven't been all healthy at the same time. But watching watching that Bucks game, it just kind of reminded you, when you have three really dangerous shooters on the floor like that, like, you can't, like, Jordan Poole is not a replacement for Kevin Durant by any means, but it did give me, like, flashbacks to when those Warriors would just completely discombobulate sure. other teams and, you know, get them to, to play really undisciplined. And you're seeing the Nets do that? Yeah, the Nets have a similar version of that now, now that they have Curry. You know, it's it's KD and Kyrie and, and Seth Curry, essentially. It's uncanny how similar these teams are in their structure. Like, when Simmons plays, like, he, he will kind of be able to slide into the Draymond role. And then you kind of just decide who your fifth is that day. Like, are you going to go big with Drummond or are you going to go with like the Bruce Brown, Cam Thomas route? Or are you just going to go like all shooting and go Patty Mills? But they are functionally very similar teams. And I think it just sets up the situation in both conferences where if they want to get through, like, it's just going to be different now. Like, it's going to be different than it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. And for the Nets, I think it could be very similar to how it was last year, where you do have a bunch of like you know you have scintillating scoring talent but can you handle the attrition that comes with playing the Milwaukee Bucks seven times right and this this year it's not just going to be the Bucks like right now like their path would go through well it would be a play in it would be a play-in game against Toronto <laughs> yes which in Canada Kyrie would not play or in Brooklyn Kyrie would not play as it is now. That, that's a whole other thing to it but let's let's assuming that he can play even if he can't you know the Raptors are a really good offensive rebounding team they're cagey on defense like you know that's probably win but that's that's not fun right and then then after that you're dealing with like the Celtics and the Bucks and the Heat and they're three of the best teams at not allowing anybody to score in the paint. And also, I mean, the Celtics don't score that well in the paint, but the Bucks and the Heat can get there real easy. So it's just going to be really interesting. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I really want to dig into it because it's just, it's going to be two really different styles going up against each other. If, if these two teams are to, you know, go as far as they'd hope to. It's interesting that like the teams that are playing with these solid front courts, like Miami, like Boston, to some extent, Philadelphia and out West with Phoenix with Aiton, Memphis to some extent with with Jackson and Adams like those teams are, are are kind of not coasting into the playoffs but like just definitely have feel like a little bit more balanced and a little less erratic but the guard led or perimeter led teams feel like they're like banana peeling into the playoffs where it's like oh god are we gonna be healthy enough and is this guy gonna get vaccinated and once we get there can we stop anybody or is it just gonna be 140 130 every night and it might be and I I think that it would have been kind of an interesting fork in the road for the postseason and postseason basketball had the Nets had a healthy Harden or a healthy Kyrie or a healthy Harden and Kyrie last season against the Bucks because they came so close to beating the Bucks with just Kevin Durant, a one-legged Harden, and like whoever they had on the street playing that for that Nets team. And now we get to this year, 
and it's even nuttier. You know what I mean? Like we just may or may not have Kyrie. Have you been doing a vibe check on on Kevin Durant these last ten days? Because it's like he's he's really getting after it. Not only is he playing like some of his best basketball, but then like after the games, he's just like. I'm unloading on the New York mayor or I'm like shouting at this guy who's sitting courtside. I just don't want him to peak too early. I feel like he's just like really running hot right now. But yeah, it should be really fascinating to see how they kind of negotiate these really, really significant Eastern Conference front courts. Yeah. Did you see him? Um, I feel like either he was looking in the direction of Shams or he was mean mugging Shams. I didn't see that. I saw the one where somebody sitting courtside at a Nets game. I think a Nets fan was like, KD take over the game and KD was like shut the fuck up and I was just like I think he was cheering for you <laughs> should we just make this like ballet rules where people just clap at halftime and like nobody says anything KD would love like a golfing audience I think no because golf they've gotten so rude at golf where now they're, they're like getting the hole every time anybody makes contact they're, they're, there's a lot of heckling going on in golf now is there okay yeah yeah. So who else do you want to talk about on, in the Eastern Conference in, in terms of like these big men? We've spent a lot of time talking about the Sixers. So I'm curious to know what are some other squads like? Do you want to get, get into the Celtics a little bit because they've been so hot recently? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's do let's let's do Celtics. I, I like the idea of looking at everything kind of like through the framework of the Nets um, or, or the Warriors on, on one end. Or how these teams would match up with them, right? Yeah. So I think one of the advantages the Nets have is like like you said, they did sign Andre Drummond. You know, they've got Claxton. James Johnson kind of sticks out as, as a guy who can, you know, play some front court minutes they play this weird bruce brown at center kind of small ball thing yeah yeah so they have a lot of different looks that they can throw i think ultimately in a series against the celtics they would probably just be able to outdo them on offense right like i I feel like that's going to kind of be the problem with the celtics in the playoffs is that they they do have the right framework right like they're the they've been the best they are now actually without any you know, having to say in the last 15 games or 20 games, they're actually just the best defense in the NBA now. You've officially become a ringer employee. <laughs> <laughs> that you could say that, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think I think they've sort of figured out some ways to get a little bit more easy buckets and stuff. Like, the positions that they're putting Jalen in are better. But in general, like, I love the formula that they now have with, with Allen uh, and Time Lord, where, you know, when you have two guys who can block shots on the perimeter it actually allows you to switch a little bit more easily watching warriors uh warrior celtics for example al horford can kind of like on those switches get up a little bit on steph mm-hmm. because he knows that he has an actual rim protector behind him um and vice versa as well and they can pummel the boards as well and the nets by the way the worst offensive rebounding team in the nba that's just kind of like you just wonder what that will do to you in 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 the course of three series like the Celtics I don't necessarily worry about like beating the Nets but I worry about them beating them up a little bit I would say the the Heat or the Bucks are the two teams that I would give give the best shot to the Nets are essentially banking on the idea that you don't need offensive rebounding if you don't miss shots and you know like they might not be wrong I know know? but that is like (laughs) the most amazing bet you know I know I know Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun. You mentioned that uh, Boston was kind of Memphis East. What if they're Cleveland East? Like, do you? Do, I wonder if Boston took anything from Cleveland playing multiple bigs at once in the beginning of the season. I mean, they they have been throughout the season, but they've been dealing with so many injuries throughout. Like, you know, but the Jared Allen Evan Mobley duo. I mean, Markinen is essentially like goes out to the corners and a lot a lot of those sets for Cleveland, but the the way in which like Mobley has that mobility 
and Allen can kind of watch his back. It's such a unique thing, but I think Boston, in some regards, has that. I mean, Horford's unwashing of himself, though he was like essentially cooked and now seems to have, I don't know, been rejuvenated somehow. A little bit of all-star break, you know? Yeah, the way that Time Lord can just kind of, you know, patrol that paint and kind of get across the court is is really amazing to watch. Watching what they did to Golden State, Steph injury aside, Marcus Smart shenanigans aside, it really did, like, I, a lot of people were commenting on this during the game. It's just like, this is such intense playoff level basketball, like in terms of the defensive intensity and the competition for every possession that's happening. And obviously that, that like, kind of let go once the Celtics ran away with it. But th- those opening, like, quarter and a half was just like, oh, my God, these guys are, this is real gladiator stuff. Yeah, I think, I think everyone copied the Cavs in a way. Well, everyone that we're going to talk about here, right? Well, everybody, yeah. you know, it's just, that's that's how the league goes, right? Like, the Cavaliers do it first, and everybody else kind of follows, right? People steal from playbooks. I'm just curious whether or not, like, the Cavs were not, the Cavs have not been a fluke. They weathered Rubio going down, Rondo going down, Sexton going down. Like, they've lost guys, they've lost Allen, and they still fight every night. No, for sure. It's a really good insight, because, like, they were the first team this this year to do it. You see, obviously, the Celtics are doing it, but, you know, in Memphis as well, they, like, they decided to, instead of, you know, having, keeping Jonas, like, they just kind of replaced him with a defensive Mm -hmm. version of him and probably a little bit better of a screener who can still score in the paint. And I thought that was just a great signing. We'll talk about Memphis a little bit later, but, you know, to your point, like, they do a similar thing where... Like the Celtics do this with Time Lord as well, and, and the Cavs also do this, where they will hide one of their big men on a non-shooter just so that big men can stay in the paint still the Sixers do this with Embiid as well their issue is that they don't really have like that versatility in the front court around him that to allow them to like kind of do multiple I noticed that (laughs) yeah yeah have you (laughs) maybe yeah maybe the Cavs were like the the originator and like there's like a there's like a story here about like you know play like playbooks being stolen because it it totally made it totally checks out like there are a number of teams that are that are kind of using that style just for the sake of being able to keep their rim protectors at the rim, which is a challenge now, right? Yeah. But, you know, every once in a while, like, you do have, you know, like, well, Matisse is a guy that you can put a big man on and for the Sixers or, or Bruce Brown or, you know, for, for the Warriors, probably going to be, like, Gary Payton or Iguodala or, or Draymond. Like, every team sort of has, even though we have, like, this, this like, renaissance with shooting and stuff, like, they're, almost every team has somebody that you can hide your interior guy on and just have him patrol. The other night when the Sixers played the Cavs, there was, before the game, there was like this um, report like that Embiid had back soreness and that maybe he was going to sit, he was questionable. And of course he played and of course, you know, he had a, a really good game. And at this point, I'm, well, I'm just pretty concerned that it's like... It, the MVP is so important to him that he's like playing through rest days essentially. And I do notice now that I feel like he's flagging a little bit towards the end of games, which is a kind of typical late season dip for Embiid. But when it was rumored that he was going to sit, a couple of Sixers writers and people on on Sixers Twitter were kind of like, this would be kind of cool to see what Doc has to do if he doesn't have Embiid. Like maybe he plays around with lineups or maybe he, he comes out and it's like, that's the one thing with Doc that, kind of sucks I mean is that you watch Ty Lue or you you watch Bickerstaff or you watch Adoka and they have weathered some storms this season and had health problems with their team and they've kind of mixed and matched and adjusted and thought of different things on the fly and like used the best players that they have and it created a system that really works for them like with the Cavs 
And then you've got teams that are just kind of like, we just do what we do, you know, and we do what we do. And rather than playing around with a couple of different rotations or lineups towards the end of the season, I'm just going to lock into my seven guys. Yeah. I guess on one hand, you could say, well, do you really want a coach who's still playing around trying to find his rotation at the end of the regular yes. season? But yes. on the other Every side, time, yes. yeah, but on the other side, it's <laughs> Doc who's just like, it's early March. I, I've just like, like three or four guys are just excommunicated from this team who used to be contributors. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I'd much rather see us lose games or see the Sixers lose games with experimentation than barely beat the Cavs playing Embiid 40, 40 minutes. You can say us. You think it's okay? okay. Yeah. You can go with us. Yeah. yeah, I think it's fine. <laughs> if you want to, I think if it's if it's more of like for your own personal health. To not say to we, not. to not like make myself personally like liable. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, just like the emotional attachment. But professionally speaking, I think you're fine. But you see what I'm saying, though, right? In some ways, what we're talking about with these big men, and you know, Embiid and Jokic specifically, are in and of themselves like their own systems, like they're their own tactical approaches to basketball. Like guys, Jokic's size should not be leading the break and throwing hit ahead and outlet mm -hmm. passes like he does. People like Embiid should not be pump faking their their marker at the top of the key and then drawing like three help defenders and getting fouled as they drive to the to the hoop but in some ways like I don't know I mean I I almost sometimes would prefer to have this highly malleable like Clippers-esque lineup than one that's centered on this one big guy who has to be able to do his big guy stuff yeah I agree with you I was actually when when I was like thinking about all these teams I kind of threw the Sixers out of title contention this week. And th that might change next week. That's just, you know, that's that's my, you know, championship non-pick of the week. We should see if, if FanDuel will boost that for you. The the the, the championship non-pick of the week. <laughs> yeah, we could, that could be like that could be a segment. We yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah, no, it's 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 exactly because of what you said because like I was I was looking at the the front court versatility of all these other teams and that's the thing that the Sixers just don't really have. That Nets Sixers game is honestly like it's it's kind of stuck in my mind right now. But just watching over and over again, Embiid just you know dropping back on pick and rolls and not not contesting shots from guys who can shoot jumpers like that's not a sustainable method and that kind of becomes like the other side like there's going to be attrition for a team like that too where you know like I don't know how many times in a series Embiid can step up on those on those pick and rolls right like how many times are you going to ask him to switch onto onto Seth Curry or onto Kevin Durant or or Kyrie right like he can do it he 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 can't do it consistently otherwise he would be doing it right now but he just isn't having the same defensive season that that we'd kind of like expect him to have he's not playing he's not playing to his defensive ceiling essentially right which is right. fine but it does kind of show you like there's a body maintenance stuff that you just have to worry about with him and you can't really ask him to do everything and then on the other end like you're you're, you're absolutely right like they just don't really like you need to be ex experimenting you need to be trying different things like i would like to see you know some like weird small ball lineups out of them they just don't really have like a good stretch four option either and that's been a problem for them like all season um pretty much you know as soon as they you know like Simmons was kind of the perfect guy in that position right and they just they weren't able to replace that in the trade and it's just been I don't know I'm a little bit low on them after especially after looking at things like through this framework I look at teams like the Nets and the Bucks and I'm like okay you're big men 
or like your nominal big men being like Bobby Portis or Giannis or Bam Adebayo. Like I, I trust them to consistently switch. I trust them to be to be up on perimeter players. I think they're going to be better defenders on perimeter players too. And then beyond that, I just look at the rest of the lineup and I'm like, oh, okay, like, you know, you can still go small with P.J. Tucker. We're kind of, in a sense, going back to tradition with these big lineups, but the Bucks and the Heat, the Suns, Celtics. If the Celtics had a little bit more scoring, I would like a little be higher on them as a championship contender. But defensively, those teams are the ones that have the versatility in their front court where I feel like they're going to be able to weather a lot of different looks at the, the like small teams throw at them. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens. You know, the Bucks have been kind of a mid middle of the road defensive team this season and i think they're like 14th or 15th in defensive right now as we're recording this and brooks coming back or brook is back and like does that give them a sense of uh continuity from last season you know is this a team that can maybe with the playoffs their defensive intensity just goes up a notch and they become what they were last season it doesn't seem to have affected teams like say phoenix who are the second best defensive team and if anything i feel like have improved over the course of the year and they're in how stout they've been defensively you know i think i think there's just there's just not a lot of trying going on in milwaukee or in general in in milwaukee which is okay yeah. like I, i'll i'll give they that pass it. to yeah. a championship team and they've also they've just they've had some injuries and stuff, but I th- I think they're they're thirty two and nine now. They've won eight out of their last ten. Like they're they're pretty good. Yeah, they're not bad. The Bucks are okay, but you know, like w- watching that Warriors game for example, right? Like they got they got scrambled really easily. Drew was just kind of like he was sagging back on Clay Thompson and stuff, and and like you know like they were just having to you know even Giannis was like way back on 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 Wiggins at some point. Like there was one there was one possession and it was so vintage Warriors where they only had like 6 seconds on the shot clock. At this point Clay was already hot. I think Middleton and and uh and somebody else follow, like basically followed him on the inbounds. Leafs Steph Curry open of all people. Then two guys go to him. I think it's Grayson Allen and somebody else and he passes to Jordan Poole who is wide open in the corner and we were just seeing so much of that. Like we saw that against uh against the Nuggets as well. And they're a really interesting team in this framework too because absolutely nobody in the NBA can guard Jokic, right? Just seeing that play out over and over again is kind of what has made this more of a question for me is like, well, like the Warriors, like, if they're healthy, can do that over and over again. You seem very vibey on the Warriors considering what's happened to them over the last couple of days. Yeah, I don't know. I still feel just like if they're healthy, they're just really good. Okay. These two games probably, I guess, gave me more optimism than, than anything else, right? Like the Denver game and, and the Bucks game. And the Boston game did not take away all your optimism? Well, you know, any anytime, anytime you lose Steph, that really sucks. Yeah. But they've just had a lot of shit luck this year, right? Like they get Draymond back and immediately then it's 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 curry that's out but they've been able to get Kavon Looney to play that Draymond role and it's just really tough when like he's like setting dribble handoffs with uh with Clay and you try to switch that and Clay is like the best at slipping and then he's a meet like then the big man drops back trying to you know recover against Clay and then immediately after that Looney is setting a screen for for Curry or for Poole and then if that doesn't work there's going to be another one for the third guy and, you know, just watching that Nuggets game, it's like, you know, you look at Jokic's defensive improvement and it's it is significant. But at the same time, it's just, it's like the Embiid issue, right? Like how many times over and over again can you do this to any team really without completely discombobulating them? This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Do you think that we will see... Not any of these guys, because you know Denver is obviously in this kind of unique position where Jokic will probably win his second MVP here, but I don't know that they have the firepower unless they get an emergency Michael Porter and Jamal Murray infusion at the end of the season. It sounds like that's going to happen. But I also don't even know, like, what is a guy who's just been out for either half the season or three quarters of the season or an entire year look like going right into playoff basketball? I don't remember this many people, Paul George, Jamal Murray, Ben Simmons, all possibly being like playoffs and I start playing and I almost like it's the hypothetical but I also don't want this to happen because I'm like I don't want more guys just being like I'll just come back for the playoffs and it's cool and be like the new the new load yeah that's the new load management is no regular season for me Um, (laughs) which would be a sick though like if you were just like I I wonder if you'd see guys play to like 42 because they're like all I do is play the postseason that'd be pretty incredible we would I think that that might be like finally what pushes the league to stop having 82 games which i'd be completely in in support of if the players just really force the issue i'm trying to articulate my question though i I think that there have been postseasons in the past where the one of the hallmarks has been really good centers getting played out of series to some extent so that did not happen to Aiton notably and i think that was one of the things aside from his obvious like just visibly and statistical improvement it was that Aiton did not get tactically managed out of any series last season. You know, that has happened to Gobert. That has happened to other centers. It kind of like obliterated the center position for a while when Roy Hibbert was kind of just played out of kind of functionality, like in the beginning of last decade. So I'm kind of curious to, to know whether you think these centers, Bam, Joel, Nicola, that we've been talking about, Gobert, uh, to some extent, the sort of hybrid guys like Jaron Jackson and Evan Mobley that we've talked about, do you think that they'll have like good postseasons, or do you think that we'll start to see again coaches just say, you know what, I'm going to spread you out, I'm going to switch you up and have you skating out on the perimeter and just basically play you out of series? That's kind of the ultimate question that we're we're asking yeah. here, right? And I think I think it all just kind of comes down to 
what you can bring on the other end. With somebody like Embiid, I don't think he's ever going to get played out of a series just because of how important he is on offense. And at the end of the day, like, yes, he will get tired, but like overall, he's not going to be a minus defensively, right? He's no. just going to be somebody where it's it's going to be tough. Like there there will be times when like Kyrie and KD like hit a tough shot over him, and like there's just nothing you can do. I don't see Bam or Aiton getting played out of a series. I could see it with Gobert again, for sure. You could see it with a guy like Steven Adams, too. Don't mm-hmm. necessarily see it with, like, Jaron Jackson. Like, you know, la- last playoffs, he just wasn't healthy, but he's just a monster on defense, and he's so incredibly versatile on offense that you can't really... That's the thing with these new centers, right? Like, you can't ga- game plan a lot of them out of a series the way that you could even just a few years ago. Like, you, like if you look at the, that Clippers series from last season... They got Gobert out of that series, and they tried to do the same thing to Aiton, and it's like, well, Aiton's got a little floater, yep. so that's it. Like, if he's hitting that, if he's hitting that floater, then he's just going to be able to do it. And like right now, if you if you look at the league, like you know, there's guys that we haven't even talked about, like like Car- Carl Towns, right? Like, you're not really like on offense going to be able to find a way to make him negligible. The T Wolves look more like the Nets to me than like a traditional like big man led team. You know what I mean? Like the way they're scoring and the way that they're mm-hmm. emphasizing like. We're just going to go for 130 and see if you can match us is is kind of almost net Netsian. If Boston is Memphis East, then Minnesota is Brooklyn West. That's interesting. So I had I had the Wolves as my Cavs West. <laughs> Shocked I thought about this, but I had them as my Cavs West. It's just a team that I was thinking about the teams that we'll talk about and we won't talk about enough. And I was like, we're not going to talk about either of these two teams enough, but we probably should. I'm glad we ended up talking about them both a little bit, though. I love I mean, like right now, the Wolves and the Cavs are still like if I'm if I'm watching Lee Pass, they're like two of the teams I'm checking for. And I'm not even trying to be like a hipster basketball nerd. Like, I just really enjoy like the energy that both teams play with. I'll see a guy like Godwin on on the Cavs where I'm like, who is this dude? Like, he's really effective. And a number of guys on the Wolves that where I'm just like, oh man, like they're just really like, they've got guys contributing all over the team. I feel like they could be, they could be a sleeper pick to go far. Last 10 games, they're top three in offensive and defensive rating. And Towns is just obliterating everybody. He's unguardable right now. So I don't know. They could, they, they're a good sleeper pick. I think the Mavs are too. Another, another thing I saw, like kind of just going through a bunch of big man stats and stuff was that, Powell's just a really good defender on some of the guys in the West that you want to be able to stop. I think he's one of the better uh, Jokic defenders this season. No one can really defend him. Um, Aiton did a pretty good job in the playoffs, and I think like the Suns probably have the best shot at being able to stop him one on one. But even then, like you know, you still have to throw throw in a lot of different looks at him. But they're they're an interesting sleeper too, and they also like that's one team where it, it like that could be a question in the playoffs. Like, can you get Dwight Powell out of a series? Because that would definitely impact the way like how far the Mavs can go. Right. No. Well, I mean, maybe what we should do is right before the playoffs start, we should have like a sleeper love like love fest like for all of our. Teams that'll probably get nuked in the first round, but yeah, that we still that'd like. be fun. Um, we can wrap it up there. We'll be back next week. Uh, Sarah, thanks so much for joining me. I, do you feel like we've arrived at like a, a? Are we pro big man or are we con big man? I like leaving it at this place. You love not answering the question on the answer. It's my favorite thing, especially with the playoffs coming up. We just don't have to. The answer will reveal itself, and we'll, we should we should revisit. Yeah, we will. We will. Thanks yeah. so much to Chris Sutton for uh, producing us today. We'll be back next week. Thank you.